Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a prophecy to Zedekiah as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 21, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Jeremiah chapter 21. Now, the book of Jeremiah is not written in a consecutive kind of an order. This particular prophecy, Jeremiah dates. They're they're just the prophecies of Jeremiah at particular times in particular situations but they don't necessarily follow in a sequential order or in a chronological order. So this particular prophecy in chapter 21 to King Zedekiah actually takes place about six years after the prophecy of chapter 24. So you see, they're not in a chronological order. They are just his prophecies at the various times, and they're just thrown in, not in a chronological order, but just thrown in. Now, I don't know what the order is, or if there is any, or if there's any reason for their not being in a chronological order. But he is careful to date for us the particular times of the prophecies. So he dates chapter 21, this particular prophecy to Zedekiah, the word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent unto him Pasher the son of Melchiah and Zephaniah the son of Masiah, the priest, saying, Inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for us. Now Pasher was the priest that when Jeremiah was prophesying, put him in stocks, arrested him and put him in stocks and all. And of course, it brought great discouragement to Jeremiah where he decided to quit his uh, prophetic ministry until God's word like a fire burned in him and he could not uh, hold back from speaking forth God's truth. And this same pasture now is sent by King Zedekiah to find out what's going to happen because Babylon is marching. The armies of Nebuchadnezzar are there. What's going to happen to us? And so they're sending to Jeremiah now to find the word of the Lord concerning their present dilemma. Inquire, I pray thee for the, to the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is making war against us. See if it will so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all of his wondrous works that Nebuchadnezzar may go up from us. And so uh, he is asking Jeremiah to inquire of the Lord concerning what is going to be happening. Well, will the Lord turn back Nebuchadnezzar according to God's marvelous works and so forth? Jeremiah does not have a good message for Zedekiah. Then said Jeremiah unto them, Thus shall ye say to Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, wherewith you fight against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans, which besiege you without the walls. They're already outside besieging them. I will assemble them in the midst of this city. They're outside of the walls now, but they're going to be assembling right in the middle of town. And I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. And I will smite the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast, and they shall die of a great pestilence. And afterwards, saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and his servants, and the people, and such are as left in the city from the pestilence and from the sword and from the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and unto the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those that seek their life. And he shall smite them with the edge of the sword, and he shall not spare them, neither have pity nor have mercy." So the message that he has for Zedekiah is not at all a comforting message. Not only is God going to allow the Babylonian troops to assemble right here in the middle of the city, but God himself is going to turn his hand against Israel, against Zedekiah, and against the armies, and God is going to destroy them, and there will not be a sparing of them pity nor mercy. And unto this people, now that was the message to Zedekiah, now to the people, Jeremiah declares, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Isn't this true always? That God sets before man the way of life in the way of death. When God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, God set before him the way of life and the way of death. There were two special trees in the garden. There was the tree of life. There was also the tree of the knowledge and good of evil, which also was the tree of death. For God said, Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So it was the tree of death. Now, I always marvel to myself that Adam would have eaten of the tree of death before he ate of the tree of life. But after he had eaten of the tree of death, and the Lord drove him from the garden, you remember that the Lord put an angel there to guard the way into the garden, lest he would come back and eat of the tree of life and live forever in that degenerated spiritual state. Now that always amazes and surprises me, that God gives to man a way of life, a way of death, and man so foolishly oftentimes takes the way of death. Now, it is true of every one of us tonight. God has laid before each of us tonight the way of life, the way of death. The Bible says the mind of the flesh is death. 
The mind of the Spirit is life and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. You have your choice. You can live after your flesh, that's the way of death. You can live after the Spirit, that is the way of life. So don't blame Adam for making a foolish choice because so many people today are making the same foolish choices because God has laid before each man the way of life and the way of death. This is the perpetual story of God. I've laid before you the way of life and the way of death. And now you must exercise your own capacity of choice to choose either life or death. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The wrath of God is abiding upon him. God has given you the way of life, the way of death. So in this particular case, he said, if you abide or stay in the city, you will surely die by the sword or the famine or the pestilence. But if you go out and surrender to the Chaldeans that are besieging you, you will live and your life will be for him a prey. Unto him for a prey. So he is saying, now look, if you'll just go out and surrender, they'll spare your life. If you stay in here, you're going to be slain in, in one of three ways, either by the uh, pestilence that God will bring against it, the famine, or the sword of the Babylonians. Now, you can see how that this kind of a message would be interpreted as a treasonable statement. And so Jeremiah was accused of treason and thrown into the dungeon because of this particular prophecy, because he is encouraging them to capitulate, to surrender to the enemy. And so he's accused of being a traitor and uh, placed into prison when this message was delivered to the people because he's encouraging them to surrender. But it's, it's God saying, hey, you have the way of life, the way of death. If you want to live, go out and surrender to them. If you want to die, just stay here in the city and you're going to die either by the sword, the pestilence, or famine. For the Lord said, I have set my face against this city for evil, not for good. And it shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will burn it with fire. This city is going to be destroyed, burned with fire. And touching the house of the king of Judah, say, and so this is the third part of the message. This is now to the house of, of, of Zedekiah. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of David, thus saith the Lord, execute judgment in the morning and deliver him that is spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go out like a fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Behold, I am against the O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, saith the Lord, which say, Who shall come down against us? Or who shall enter into our habitations? But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, saith the Lord, and I will kindle a fire in the forest thereof, and it shall devour all of the things round about it. And so the message to Zedekiah in response to 
his request to find out how things are going to go. Not so good, buddy. It's looking tough, you know. You're in bad shape. Now the Lord commanded Jeremiah to go down to the king's house and speak there at the king's house this word. This, the other, he was a message sent back to the king. Now go on down to his house and speak this further word. Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you that are sitting upon the throne of David, you and your servants and your people that enter in by these gates. Thus saith the Lord, execute ye judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor to the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. For if ye do this thing indeed, then there shall enter in by the gates of this house kings sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and horses, he and his servants and his people. But if ye will not hear these words, I swear by myself, saith Jehovah, that this house shall become a desolation. Now here, even at this late date, God is still holding out to the king the offer of deliverance. As God said, I've set before you life and death. And though they are really on the gallows and they're waiting for the handle to be pulled to drop the trap door, the rope, in a sense, is around their neck. I mean, they're, they're as close to being gone as you can get. But even now, the Lord is saying, look, if you'll just do what's right, if you'll only have righteous judgments and seek to deliver the fatherless, the widow, the poor from the oppressions, if you'll only do what, that which is right, then I will continue this dynasty, this kingdom, and there will be kings that will be able to go in and out and sit upon the throne, and they'll ride in and out of these gates in their chariots and all. All you have to do is, is turn around, even now. And so God is giving them really one final chance. But it seems that many times the, the evil and the corruption is so deeply embedded. The greed has gone so far that you just can't turn. Now, it is interesting to me that the, the main cry of God was the lack of real justice that was coming forth in the land. The poor the orphan, the widows were being oppressed. It is interesting to me how that God so often takes up the cause of the poor or of the orphan or of the widow who cry upon him and cry unto him. And here God's judgment would be forestalled if only they would be righteous, that they would execute judgment and righteousness and delivered those who had been spoiled out of the hands of those that were oppressing them. Do no violence to the stranger or to the fatherless or to the widow. 
If you do this thing indeed, you can remain. Kings will go in and out. But if you don't, God declares, I swear by myself. Now, in Hebrews, it says that the Lord can't swear by any higher, so he swears by himself. But when God takes an oath to swear by himself, you can be sure that he's going to do it. Now, the oath is always to confirm the word. And when a person makes an oath, uh, you, you swear by something that is higher than you. Now, Jesus, in a sense, tells us that we should not swear. I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is God's footstool. But when you say yes, just let it be yes. When you say no, let it be no. Just be a person of your word. Don't have to be a person that takes an oath, you know, to prove, oh, I'm telling the truth, you know, by my mother's name, you know, or by heaven or whatever uh, that a person may take an oath by. Lord says you, you shouldn't have to do that to affirm the truth. Just speak the truth. Let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no rather than having to swear by something other than yourself, something higher than yourself. But God, when he desi desired to make a firm commitment, because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. And that is, of course, you can't get anything more sure than that. When God says, I swear by myself that I will do it, <laughs> Man, there's nothing in the world more sure than that. You say, well, we're sure the sun will come up tomorrow morning. No, you're not. But if God declares it, then you can be sure. And if God swears by himself that it will, then you can know. There is no question. There is no doubt. And so God really is laying it on just as heavy. This is it. This is your final. I swear by myself. I will just make this place a desolation. I For thus saith the Lord unto the king's house of Judah, Thou art Gilead unto me, and the head of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make thee a wilderness, and the cities which are not inhabited. Gilead and Lebanon, beautiful areas, forested and all. And that's what you are to me, but surely I'm going to make you just a desolate wilderness. I will prepare the destroyers against the every one with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations shall pass by this city, and they shall say every man to his neighbor, Why has the Lord done this? unto this great city. Then they shall answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. So this place that was once so glorious and so beautiful, really the pride of the earth for glory and beauty, it's going to be laid waste and desolate and become as a wilderness. And people will pass by and they say, why in the world did God do this to this area, to this place? Why such desolation? 
And the answer will come back because they have forsaken the covenant of God and worshipped other gods. Now, God had made a covenant with the nation Israel, a covenant whereby they would be his people and he would be their God. There were several factors to this covenant that God had made, several special aspects to the covenant. One of them was the Sabbath day. That was a special covenant between God and Israel forever, their observance of the Sabbath day. Another aspect to the covenant was the circumcision of the males. Another aspect of the covenant was that their approach to God was to be through the sacrifice of animals. For sinful man cannot approach a holy God. And God had said in his covenant, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And so God established in his covenant with them the various sacrifices that they would offer unto the Lord, the sin offerings, the peace offerings, the whole burnt offerings, the meal offerings. Now God said, you've broken the covenant. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 21 through 22 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless. God keep. And may God lay upon your heart the awareness of the day and the hour in which we live and the need of an all-out effort in our service for Jesus Christ. And may the Lord use you in a very special way as his instrument to bring his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.